I'm not nervous or worried or scared. I can't fucking wait. Hello, and welcome back to Resisting Gilead. This week, we're going to be talking about season four, episode eight, Testimony of the Handmaid's Tale. And with me this week, I have my former, one person in my former cleanup techs podcast group with me, Andy Theobald. Welcome to the podcast, Andy. How are you doing today? I am doing great. This, uh, I'm kind of excited to talk about this. I kind of almost wish the third part of our cleanup tech screw was here too, because I know he had some interesting feedback that we're going to hear a little bit later that I, I was kind of surprised at. <laughs> yes, I know. Um, well, you know, I did almost, he's like, oh, can I join you guys? And I said, well, this is when we're going to record. And he's like, oh, I'm going to be working. However, <laughs> perhaps at the end of the season, we get on together and uh, clean up clean up this season, clean up Gilead, just like Lawrence and Aunt Lydia want to do. I think that's a perfect idea. (laughs) Okay, awesome. I think we'll have to do that. So one of the reasons I'm so excited to have you on today is because before this year, you had not watched any of The Handmaid's Tale. And when I first put out the call for for guest hosts uh, to come on, you're like, oh, this gives me good incentive to like start start watching it now. And I'm like, well, just don't hurt yourself, okay? Because this could be, <laughs> be heavy stuff. So, but I would love just to kick off the first, you know, 10 minutes or so, five, 10 minutes with your impressions, because you're a clean slate coming to this, your impressions of this show and just kind of some of the thoughts you had while while watching it. Well, I guess when my, the first thing was that like I, I think I had talked, uh, I'd been on a podcast with Axel at some point. I think we were doing an Emmys thing or something like that. And the Handmaids had been nominated for a bunch of stuff a couple of years ago. And I hadn't seen anything, obviously. And I thought I knew what the show was. I mean, I knew it was women held against their will than to have children for elite people in a different country that I thought used to be the United States. I knew there was red robes and the white hat. That's pretty much all I knew. I mean, I knew Elizabeth Moss and a few of the other actors that were in it. But I had, I mean, I, I thought I knew what it was going to be. And it, it completely, I don't know, it's, it, it's dug, it's, it's dug into my brain in ways I can't really, it's not, it's not a show that I say I love because love isn't the right word. I don't, it's hard to love this show, I think, but it's just a fantastic show. And it's, um, I mean, I guess part of my history, I, I didn't get started until, well, early May, right around the same time as the season was starting, I, I believe. And I very much watched one or two, sometimes three episodes a night. And in the beginning, it was much harder. I think in the first first two seasons, I kept thinking, boy, there's no way I'm going to get caught up because it, I mean, it's heavy. Obviously, like you said, be careful. Yeah. And it was the first, those, that first two seasons was just, it was just, it was a grind isn't quite the right word either, but it almost felt like homework at certain points because it was so just the whole and part of it was the, the misery of it but otherwise it was I mean it was kind of like the setup stuff and the more I thought about it it's a lot like a lot of other prestige tv and the way that like Breaking Bad was Better Call Saul Game of Thrones a lot of them were the first two seasons where they're setting everything up is much slower and then it's like a 
like you guys have said with your all your train metaphors over the last <laughs> or the train conversations it's like a runaway train right now the last especially seasons three and four and it, it gets so much more propulsive and story to, like a lot of those other tv shows have done which i i i don't i mean maybe that's stating the obvious like i said i haven't li- watched or, or shouldn't say watched i haven't listened to anybody else's podcast besides yours and i haven't had any haven't read any articles or anything so i have no idea if my thoughts are completely way off the way off in the left field somewhere or if that's what other people are doing but I think just by listening to what you guys have said and a lot of stuff I think uh, particularly a couple of characters I have a very different mm. very different uh, perspective than I think what other people are thinking I mean maybe not very isn't the right word but a different perspective just because I, I've often been curious about that with other shows that I've watched from the beginning because I know with Lost there's been people that I've afterwards I lost I watched Lost as it was going so there was a year in between to think about things and I want to talk to other people that have binged it and have very different perspectives, especially on characters, which I think that where some of my differences have definitely come. And as a show overall, I just, I'm really enjoying it. It, it hit me on a personal level that I wasn't expecting. Mm. I know one of your uh, earlier, one of your first episodes that you did was with one of your friends. And she said, she had said that she's an adoptive parent, which most people that are listening to that know me know that I am also an adoptive parent. And there is a lot of adoption themes in this, obviously, mm. even though it's not as, they're not all out in the open, but there's a ton of them. The trauma, I mean, trauma is a big part of adoption in a lot of ways mm-hmm. or losing a child and kids going to different families. That stuff just, I I guess I, I figured some of that stuff was in this show, but I didn't quite understand. I wasn't prepared for how much of that like really hit me personally mm-hmm. in a way I was definitely not expecting. So, I mean, I don't, we can talk more about as we get into it, but those are kind of my initial thoughts of the series. Yeah, I think it's also really interesting that you're watching this now, now that Trump is out of office, because mm-hmm. I I didn't even start watching the show when it first came out, because it really came out right after he um, went, got into the White House. And I was just like, I just, I, I can't right now, because it was too much. And then I started watching it. I think I watched four episodes in a sitting. And I did not sleep that night. I, I just, I couldn't sleep that night. I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is all happening now. And it's, you know, it was, I think there's something too. You mentioned the first two two seasons being really heavy. Think if you had watched those during the Trump administration. Yeah, well, and- that's, I, I, when I listened to your first couple podcasts that you did from, I think they, I don't know when that was, 2018 or 19, somewhere in there mm-hmm. where you first started recording your first few ones. And you, you guys were, and I'm, it, it definitely was giving me flashbacks to that time period because I've already kind of tried to move past some of that stuff in my yeah. personal thinking. And I'm like, wow, this would have been a very different show had I watched it three, four years. When did it debut? It was 2017, right? In yeah. the fall? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it, so. Or the spring, maybe even. Yeah. Yeah, it would I it's I'm I'm obviously I can't go back and think about that now. And I mean you still see some of it, but it didn't like some of those early pods and you guys were definitely like this is what's happening now. And I'm thinking, wow, I bet that felt a lot different now than it or it felt a lot different then than it does now. I mean, yeah. not a ton, but definitely a different perspective on it. Well, and there were also just some really strange coincidences in timing in terms of I think especially with season two of what was happening in the news and what was happening on the show. Like, I think literally there was like, um, it still should be a more prominent issue than it is, but children being separated from their parents at the border. I think it was Mm -hmm. when 
June got to see Hannah and then they were separated again. How come you didn't find me? How come you didn't try harder? It was yep. like a hotbed story that week. Like you could, there's no way they uh-huh. could have foresaw or timed it. And that happened yep. a couple of times at, at a couple of different points. And um, it was just, it made it that much more chilling and I think heavy just to be like, this is not going anywhere good anytime soon, you know? Wow, but, yeah, um, yeah. That's interesting. I, I, and like, that's the stuff I had no idea because when I was just watching it every night, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about, I wasn't looking at the air dates and looking at the news as to what was, that's interesting that that's, cause like on that's especially that stuff. I mean, that's a big part of like the, the, uh, that's where I like in my mind, I'm thinking adoption the whole that whole time because that's there's like it's I'm not that I'm I gotta be careful how I phrase this. I don't want to talk too much about my son's experience because it's his experience and not mine. But like I'm still part of a lot of adoption groups online and there's a lot of like foster parents that are on there or biological uh, biological mothers that are on there that talk like love this show because they felt that like um that's how like when um child protective services gets called and some, and they get taken away for reasons that aren't good enough. Or I mean, that aren't good reasons or those. And so I, that's the only, that was the mindset I was in is like, this is just like what those women are talking about on some of those groups that I'm in. That makes sense. So that's why it's like, it was a very, just, I think people are going to get different things out of it when they watch it for sure as to what's going on in their own lives or what's going on at the time. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we dive into this episode, though, I would love to get your perspectives on the characters that you feel differently about than what has been discussed uh, so far in the show. Like, who, who are these couple or three people that you're okay. thinking of? The main one, and you guys kind of started to hint at it last week, last week, or it was with you were with Jenny, right? Mm-hmm. You guys kind of touched on it a little bit, but June is the biggest one. Okay. June, well, after the first season, was June seen as like a, a full, hero is not the right word, but like just a great, great person? Does that make sense? Like after the yeah. first season, yeah, because like early in the second season, I felt more and more that she's, and it's obviously becoming way more apparent, I think, in the last two episodes, but like the, the, the uh, little monologue she gives to, uh, what's his name? Uh, you always say his full name. Can't think of the, uh, the American oh, Mark liaison Willow. guy. Yeah. When she was talking to him and giving him that thing about saying how, uh, what, let me see what the word was again. The, the, she's toxic, abusive. She's a consummate actress. Mm-hmm. She's driven by hatred and rage. Nothing, everything is pure misery. She'll do anything not to feel that way. Even for a second, she'll get what, She'll say anything and do anything that gets what she wants, lie to you, hurt you, rape you. I 100% she was talking about herself. I don't think there's any question on that because it's starting in the second season. To me, there was little hits and things. And I don't remember the exact episode. I, I want to say it was in seasons early in season three. But the first time I was really like, she's going to turn almost like Daenerys in Game of Thrones mm-hmm. or maybe even Walter White along those lines where like with Daenerys, she gets just pummeled in the first season and just gets like same thing raped and gets brutalized and eventually turns into somebody that like has been a a product of her environment basically, which is I think what happened is is what's happening to June is being in Gilead has turned her into this monster because Mm -hmm. like even on that, even in that, when they were doing that monologue, when she says the word rape you, 
it zooms into Luke's face. Yes. I mean, it was, it is, to me, it was so obvious. And they zoom in and they do like that, like Axel always used, likes to say, her crazy eyes. They zoom yeah. into the eyes just like a, a villain shot in a movie. And it really confirmed to me last week that she's not, I mean, she's, she, uh, her, she's got the right cause, but I don't know if she's got the right, the right way to go about it because, oh, I'm sorry, I lost train of thought there. The, the thing about the uh, second season or third season, early in the second season is when I first started really starting to feel that way is when, when she starts putting together the thing to get the kids out of the, on the plane. Oh yeah. That, the first was, thing, that was the third season. Yeah. The third season at the beginning of that season, like when she first starts thinking of that plan, the thing she says is, what can I do to hurt Gilead the most? Mm-hmm. It was no longer, what can I do to get Hannah back? It was, I want to hurt these people. I want revenge. Yeah. And usually when I hear that revenge thing, it usually means that <laughs> you, usually people that are hell bent on revenge are not, I don't, I, I can't, she's not a villain. That's not the more, she's more of an anti-hero, I think. And I mean, maybe that's been the common theme and what a lot of people think, but I've thought that for like two or th- I've thought that from almost not the first season for sure, because the first season she just gets abused and brutalized yeah. and and there's there's weird things that are I don't want to say inconsistent either, but like when she when she first tries to escape in the plane and the plane gets shot down, she didn't have any problem leaving Hannah at that point. That was never even a thing. It was like I'm just getting out of here. No, Did she, I mean, didn't she? Am she I did, wrong on that? She did have like this little kind of flashback. And it was interesting because it was an episode that really focused on her relationship with her mother. And I think that's what we saw oh, yeah. for the first time. And and kind of what a disappointment June had been to her mom. Like I always felt like yep. out of the two, Moira was kind of the favored friend, you know, for helping queer women's alliance and Mm-hmm. you know, being more of an activist. And, you know, she, she, her mom seemed very deeply disappointed in June. And I think there was this moment because she was flashing back into the woods, the time when, when Hannah was first taken from her. And, and yep. at that point, she's just like, you know, sorry, baby girl, I've, you know, I've got a, you know, I just now maybe I can let you go type of thing. And, you know, it's kind of choosing between your two children too a better future for your first child or, you know, yeah. she also hadn't. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you would make it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you would even decide that that's, and well, and part of the part of what is kind of thought me of that on those lines too, is with that, the episode with her mom. And mm-hmm. she says the things about you, you wanted to be a Supreme court justice or you wanted part of me thinks that that's part of why June is doing this is because she's she like she wants to be Joan of Arc or she wants to be somebody that can break the wheel like Daenerys used to say that that's that's part of why I I think her main motivation I even though a lot of it is about Hannah I still don't think it is about Hannah I think it's a lot about she wants to destroy Gilead and that's her number one mission and she doesn't care how it happens well I think it's also uh, that, that yeah I think it's become bigger. I, I don't know. I'm, yeah. Well, and that's definitely true. Yeah. And I just said, there's so many other things she's like, she's and like the, uh, uh, I can't think of what it is, but like the, the convincing Emily to, to go and talk. Uh, yes. We're going to get stuff into about that. Emily and yeah, that <laughs> or the stuff like when, um, when Janine wanted to leave, wanted to separate and she basically, guilt trip there isn't the right word but I don't know it was like Emily or Janine was actually happy it seemed like even if you're doomed no matter what 
I don't, something about it just, she seems more, June just seems more, more of a a anti-hero than I think I've gotten the impression that other people think. I might be wrong on that, but well, she, I don't she know. definitely has become very manipulative. And I think back to the first season where she seemed so soft, right? Um, she seemed mm-hmm. so soft. And the way she'd even try to manipulate Fred, I was just like, oh my God, she's so acting. How come he can't see through this? It's just like she is so bad yep. at trying to flirt with him and convince him I was just like this is not convincing me at all and and now she's she's really learned how to work it <laughs> if that's yeah. the right way of putting it but um oh you're but, right because that well that's what she did with Lawrence too in a different way yeah she completely yeah. manipulated him and like she's basically telling him I run this house but I mean before she left there so yeah. I mean yeah she's a master manipulator she's, that, yeah. which I find is fascinating so it is she's or the really- really adapted to oh the go ahead sorry she's she's really adapted yeah or to the, the yeah the farm wife the same thing where within a couple of days she's basically running the farm and she's got all those little minions doing everything for her she basically orders the wife to kill the guy yeah i don't know yeah. I, I i i'm not saying i i dislike the character because i i definitely do i think it's i think there's a lot more shades of gray there than i and part of my, part of why i'm wondering about that is because i wonder if people after that first season, she's so simp- you're so sympathetic. You sit with that for a year mm. and it's easy to get into those. Cause I think I remember back to all the stuff with Danny and game of Thrones where everybody got so mad, but well, not everybody, but a lot of people did. And if you go back and watch, they, a lot of the times they planted a lot of those seeds of her turning at some point. I mean, whether or not it was well done or not, it's a different discussion, but right. they tried to plant those seeds at least. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, who else do you think is kind of, an enigma or has been kind of perceived well and some people i think some of some of you you've talked about and some of you haven't but lydia Mm. and lydia is obviously not a good person but i think and i I can't remember who it was i think somebody mentioned something along these lines but i really do think and i think a lot of it was in this episode too where they showed it with her and um god i can never remember janine at the end Mm -hmm. but I i think she legitimately loves the handmaids and she legitimately cares unfortunately i think she bought into the lie of what gilead is doing and and thinks that's the only way to save the human race and by what she was trained to do and i I think i mean i personally with her i think she's going to figure it out that it is a lie and well we can talk more about that when we get into that character but lydia's one for sure that i don't i it's hard to it's hard to say i think she's a good person because i don't think she is but i think she's doing things for the She's doing things for what she thinks is the right reasons, even though yeah. they aren't the right reasons. I tend to have sympathy for those kind of characters. Uh, kind of like how John Locke was in Lost a lot of the time where he mm. was doing things that were not the right thing to do. I thought I felt bad for him more than I hated him, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like I've always called Lydia my onion because mm-hmm. she's definitely horrible, but you can tell there are other layers to her. And what are those layers? Yeah. And, and we saw a little bit in her flashback episode. Um, you know, we know a couple of other things about her that um, she yeah. had a nephew that she was godmother to that died when he was four days old. Mm-hmm. And um, not to give too much away, but I've read the book, The Testaments. Um, John Wambacher and I are going to talk about that after the season is over. It'll be a huge spoiler. It's... However, I'll just say one of the three characters that are that book is really focused on is aunt lydia 
and it is mind blowing. It is really? absolutely mind blowing. So, yes. <laughs> how I, I, I actually, I think I'm going to read it after the season is over, but how far into the future does that take place? From where you we know, are, like roughly? Yes, from where we are now, about 14, yeah. 15 years in the future. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, that's, it has me endless. Every once in a while, when you, you've mentioned it every once in a while, I'm like, man, I don't think I'm going to check that out. It's very interesting to see. Hmm. Yes. Because they're developing that. Are they? Are they? Yes. Yeah, they already bought the right okay. to it. So they're going to do something with it. <laughs> Um, we'll oh, see when and how quickly they decide to progress that. I could see them just kind of, you know, there's no, we're not going to have 20 seasons of The Handmaid's Tale, but um, I could see them really start skipping up in time a bit, um, potentially after this season, uh, just to accelerate that storyline. Uh, mm. so we'll, we'll see what happens. But let's talk about this episode. Um, maybe before we dive in, I'm just going to share Tim's feedback. He's like, he kind of hated this episode. He's like, this episode doesn't feel like any of the others. And it just felt out of place. And maybe part of it's because Elizabeth Moss directed it. Um, although I think she did an excellent job with the crossing episode, but then also there are three episodes out of Gilead at this point, like in a row. And I think it's just, I think things are going to be different. You know, she has fewer constraints on her. Her battle is, is, similar, but also very different. Um, that's kind of how I looked at his, uh, his feedback. And uh, well, that's, I, I kind of think the same way. I think it should feel different too, because I mean, not only are they in a very different, very different place there, the power dynamics have completely changed. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, granted, we'll see what happens with the Waterfords in the future here, but they're no longer, I mean, they, it's basically reversed positions with people. So it's, it, it definitely feels different and it feels weird, but when does a show not feel different and weird, or at least not feel weird? I mean, it's, I think I've, I personally liked it. I think the, like two of my favorite scenes from not this week, from, from last week were when the, when they walked, you guys talked about both of them too, when they walked into the hotel and then when they walked into the grocery store mm -hmm. where they feel they were similar to scenes in Gilead, but like a completely flipped upside down alternate universe kind of thing which I, yeah. I, I like that. I, that, that grocery scene, just when they just walked in and you see all the colors and all the, like one of the things I've always thought about Gilead is that it's amazing that it just seems there's a lack of passion, lack of emotion. They've taken everything out, all the color, laughing is almost forbidden. You can't, I mean, it's, it's either violence or it's everybody is like at their Sunday best church all the time. And like the passion in life is in Canada. And I, I love the, I love how it feels different. Yeah, the whole episode and everything feel and like I said, also the power dynamics and everything else. Characters are different because, of course, they're going to and characters are seeing each other for the first time in five or six years. So I don't, I, I, I like it. So yeah, I think it's interesting you focus on the color because color means something very different in Gilead. It's it's a marker on mm -hmm. you. It's not something used for expression. Like in yeah, your, even thinking of some of the artwork not at the Lawrence household because, you know, he supposedly supposedly raided the MoMA and um, yeah. <laughs> you know, took all the good stuff for himself. But even some of the artwork you see in the homes, it's very drab. Yeah. You know, it's very lacking color. Even in, in the baby's room, 
it was um, when Serena was putting that together, it seemed very stark. The birds were, the little tiny birds were very colorful, but even the background of that mm -hmm. uh, wallpaper was very drab. It was, it, it's so interesting. Or when they, when they made Lawrence redecorate his house, he had, there was some color in that house and then he had to redecorate so he didn't get in trouble. And now yeah. even that house, like when Lydia visits in this episode, even that house is very drab. Very so drab. I, I I like that because I like it. it. It feels like they're in a different place, which that's what, I, even though can I mean, geographically Canada and the Northern United States are not that different, but I, I like that they've made it, they made it feel different. I like that. Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, there's a lot that happens in this episode and I kind of wanted to <clears throat> start right off the bat with June's testimony um, because and and I maybe this is one of the reasons why that courtroom looked is so like bright and airy and so different from the panel of commanders that we've seen this season that just seems so dark and you know intimidating and you know yeah. I think that even you know it's it is it's there's, very different we're we're into the light That's there's nothing the, hiding in the yeah I was gonna say there's nothing hiding in the shadows it's right. all out in the open and it's like everything in Gilead is cloaked in shadows and dark colors and yeah yeah no definitely but um what did you think of june's testimony because i think this was a moment that everyone's kind of been waiting for right um they talk about it in that what i'm calling the aunt lydia circle of shame therapy group um and <laughs> i definitely want to get into that later i want to kind of talk about that as a whole thing but but um, you know they're all on pins and needles too. But what did you what did you think of this? Well, the I I kind of refer to it as the it's, this is definitely not the right word, but it's basically the greatest hits of what happened to her. I mean, it was it was um, amazing listening to it. I mean, I great. I mean, yeah, I'm just saying that jokingly, obviously. But yeah. it's like all of the major traumatic events that have happened to her. She just well, almost all of them. She obviously doesn't tell them all, but most of them. And it was just, I thought the performance was amazing and it was a one take. I mean, it was, Oof. that was, I thought it yeah. was just, an, the performance alone, I thought was amazing. I thought it was very, it was one of those kind of like fish shaking moments, like hell yes, bring these assholes down kind of moment. I, I thought it was good. I thought it was great. I did too. And I was super impressed with how level June was during this, you know, even, you know, Luke shows up after she clearly doesn't even want him there. It doesn't shake her at all. And she's actually, when she's talking about what's happened to her, she's super steady and it's almost mm -hmm. toward the end. And this is probably the pain that is the freshest when she's talking about her friends who have died and yep. the rest of the women and, you know, and I think this is part of the, she's, she's in it for a bigger reason now too. Hannah is definitely always going to be like the key reason closest to her heart, but I think she's really looking at it from a women's rights perspective now. And that it's like, there are, you know, millions of women imprisoned in this country and they need justice and it needs to start here. I am grateful to be speaking to you today. But mine is just one voice. Countless others will remain unheard 
imprisoned by men like Fred Waterford. Women My friends. Who lost their lives. And can never be heard. It is for those women. That I ask the International Criminal Court to confirm the charges against this man. And put him on trial. I ask for the maximum possible sentence. I ask for justice. Thank you. It seemed very much like uh, it. It seemed like a politician. I thought a lot too. It. It sounded. It was like almost like a stump speech a little bit. Mm. And it was. And I think the thing with Hannah, she obviously still cares about Hannah, but she can use Hannah as one of her biggest issues. I think. I mean, if she gets, maybe she gets into politics in Canada. I don't, that could also be interesting. I don't know if that's even a possibility, but it, it reminded me very much of a politic, like the super polished politicians type speak where it's just a, somebody that gives a really great political speech or a really great public speaker that we've never seen from her, that character really in a setting like that, obviously. But I, I, I just, I loved it. I thought it was a great moment. Yeah, no. And it's the first time she's had an audience to really listen to her about this as well it's not like she's just commiserating with the other handmaids on their walks yeah. back and forth to the grocery store like you know this is this has the potential to mean something um the one thing that did really surprise me about this testimony was that the ceremony happened three nights in a row which isn't necessarily something i realized i kind of thought gilead in all its purity and discussing this when it comes to the ceremony it seems like once a month would be enough for this godly society, but I guess, you know, it was the three successive nights, which somehow just makes it worse. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just yeah. like, oh, yeah. I'm going to do this That's, again tomorrow. That Ugh. completely surprised me. I mean, after thinking about it, I've loved, like, of course, that's what they did. But right. I didn't even, I never even considered that. And you're right. It just makes it even worse and ugh, just gross. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I, I do like how she kind of threw a tribute to Eleanor and and she she also just kind of said the the Lawrence household did not subject me to this and you know we were all made to do this against our will and that it devastated Eleanor because it, it did she was about ready to shoot her husband the next episode well and um, the, you know I had a question for you about that too with when she talks about Eleanor and Later on, when you see Lawrence talking to Lydia, Lawrence has obviously seen the testimony, but he says something to the effect of what, what she's doing up there. Is he not gonna, is he like basically get a get out of jail free card in Gilead? Because she says that they we didn't have sex. He did we didn't want to do any of this. And she basically tells on the record that Lawrence was breaking all these rules. I mean, and yeah, somehow he's he's finding out, I guess, what she's saying. I don't. I don't really know how. I don't know if he has contact with like Fred and Serena's lawyer at this point or not. But um, or I imagine maybe it's in Canadian newspapers. I, you know, it's it's hard to kind of tell how. Well, and I'm I know that they at one point uh, Tuello said something when something else. I think it was when the Waterfords came. He said that well, it'll be on Twitter in a half an hour. So I'm sure I would be shocked <laughs> if the head the top of Gilead still didn't have internet access. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably right. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I don't think this is Lawrence's get out of free card. I think June is, is his key. Well, I mean, it's, it's a mixed bag, right? Like June, mm -hmm. could, June could save him in Canada, but she could end up being the death of him in Gilead. It's, it's, yeah, it's that's, really that's kind of what I mean. It was like, yeah, she's, yeah. yeah, she's given away all the stuff that happened there that from what we've been told about Gilead, they frown on a lot of what she had told what had happened in that house. So yeah. is that, that I, what I meant about the get out of jail free card is, does he already have a get out of jail free card in Gilead that is causing him to not be, maybe he has enough other dirt on people now that they won't even mess with him anymore. I don't know. I think that could be, I think it's, it's, it's more likely that he's got so much dirt on everyone else that it actually makes his transgressions look meek at the end of the day. Like, yeah. you know, no, it's I, like, yeah, that could be a good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if anything, I think Lawrence's what Lawrence has done against the country is less mm -hmm. abusive to people. And I think that there are probably a lot more abuses against handmaids, Jezebels, who knows who else yeah. um, from some of these other men. So I think he, even though he's, he's flawed, he's, he's might be less flawed than um, some of these other commanders, uh, which is kind of mind blowing, but um, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, we, we, we kind of mentioned when we, I was going to bring this up when we talked about the, uh, the ceremony thing three nights in a row when they talked about that, it led me down a different line of thinking is, are do we know that the birth rates are actually rising in Gilead or are they just saying that so here's the thing I think it's entirely likely that they are rising in Gilead and I think Fred is using this miracle conception with Serena which maybe I mean that would be the kicker that that kid really isn't his that somehow it's Mark Tuello's yeah, <laughs> as yeah. Jenny and I discussed last week but I think you know he's using that as the miracle but I also think it's like, well, when you force all women of childbearing age to submit to rape every yeah. single month and when they're they ovulating have, too, yes, yeah, when they're ovulating, they have no yep. personal choice in the matter. You've rounded them up. Um, you're doing it consistently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The birth rate's going to go up if you That's... have a set breeding stock. I mean, this is exactly the line of thought I was going down because I'm thinking if you put all, I mean, if you know anything about fertility doctors and fertility things, they'll tell you that's what you need to do to get pregnant. So if everybody, they're forcing all these people to do this. And we also know that like when Tuello first contacted, one of the people he was talking to said, we can't get any information out of there. We don't know anything. So why are they believing that they would, that Gilead would be honest about, yes, birth rates are rising. I don't, I, the more yeah. I think about it, the more I think, I don't, I don't really don't think they're rising. I th well, I mean, technically they probably are, but they're not rising because they're so good for the environment and all this other stuff right. and what they're doing. It's because they're forcing pregnancies. I, yeah. I, I really think that that line about the three, three nights in a row really got me down that line of line of yeah. thinking that I, I really don't, oh, I don't buy that. It's interesting. I hope we get, I hope they go more into that at some point. But. Yeah. Um, no, I think it'll be interesting. And I mean, there's just so much stuff that I think is so completely backwards about the Gilead society in terms of, okay, you have to do it through rape. You're not doing anything through 
artificial, you know, um, through in vitro mm -hmm. or anything else. It doesn't even really seem like they monitor the pregnancies well. They're not pre-screening for birth defects. No. Um, you know, which and it's, like it's, you had said the other day, or like you said, one of those podcasts too, one of the things that she, one of the, one of the babies that got lost was a simple fix or a simple umbilical cord, something or other. I can't remember what that was, but it was something yeah. that could have easily been fixed by a, a doctor. Yeah. If that, if that baby had been monitored during labor, like, I feel like that's something that they catch more and more now that, you know, they start monitoring mm -hmm. the baby, they can tell when it's in distress and they quickly figure out why and, and try and, you know, is it the issue? Um, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's such a backwards, such a backwards place. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. The, uh, yeah. Well, I had, I had one more. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, no, I'll, no, I'll you, you, no you, you go ahead because I'm getting ready to okay. move on to Luke eventually. <laughs> there, was, there was one little tiny thing I was going to mention about Gilead, too. And you guys talked about it last week where you were joking about the water when she sees the water and the wings and everything. I bet, yeah. I mean, assuming that they actually have cleaned up the environment, I bet that was imported from Gilead. Yes. I, I, no, I kind of wasn't joking about that. It looked like. Okay. I, well, I wasn't sure because you guys laughed, <laughs> but I was thinking, you know what? They. Uh, what's his name had said they could Lawrence had said they couldn't afford embargoes so that means they're exporting something and if they actually have cleaned up their environment where else would you get clean water from yes yeah no I could totally see that being really <laughs> add spring water blessed by God on the wings of angels do you know what I Ugh. mean um yeah just kind of the whole logo and everything I'm like oh this is how they're branding themselves outside of Gilead uh -huh. um, yeah yeah I know so okay well then you you are in the same well I you both started laughing so I wasn't sure if you were just joking about like I think that's actually legit I think that is what's happening oh, oh yeah ugh. yeah sometimes I laugh Chandler Bing style when things are uncomfortable and probably true <laughs> um, perfect yeah yeah um <laughs> and speaking of, of uncomfortable uh let's talk about Luke um yes. so I mean I have my perspectives on this I think he's he, he wants too much too soon from her. Um, but, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't know what you think about this being a husband, like, had you been in Luke's shoes and well, uh, a husband and a father, I think that's yeah. the key part too, yeah. because I think I would, I hate to say, I hate to say this because it used to always annoy the shit out of me when people said this, but if I didn't have a, a son, my own, I don't think I I wouldn't feel quite the same way. I'd be like, dude, back off. Mm -hmm. But the fact that like, if, if somebody had kidnapped my son and I hadn't seen him for five years and, or my son and my wife, and then my wife came back without the son, I would want to know everything possible as soon as possible about the son as well. Yeah. And that's, so it's, I don't, I have, cause like I, I've read what you got in the notes here and I completely understand what you, what you're saying about Luke too. But at the same point, I'm, and the other thing is that he he also just got raped by her, which is a complete. So, I mean, when that happened, because I'm a, I'm in the opinion of what happened at the end of that last episode, it was 100% rape. There's yeah. no doubt in my mind. And if you put that in a in and you add that with what she's not telling or what she knows and doesn't know about Hannah, what I I'd be I'd be going I'd be having a breakdown too. I Luke a lot of times in this series has been kind of hit or miss for me. I've always thought he's great acting, but I'm like, sometimes I'm like, dude, what the hell are you doing? And that, this was one of the times where I like, I felt sorry for the guy because if I was in that position of like, say after the rape and after the not seeing your kid, and then she tells one thing to the kid, wouldn't my first reaction would also be to tell the law enforcement guy that I know and be like, Hey, we've got some new information on Hannah. 
And then she flips out that she that he tells her that. I mean, I was, I, th- I think I came from it at a, a different point just because of, I put myself in those shoes, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, well, I think she she mainly flipped out because she hasn't been completely honest with him yet. You know, I think, well, I think that's yeah. part of it for sure. Um, you know, she's she's told him the good part of the Hannah visits. She hasn't told him, yeah. the, you know, the bad part, which she finally feels in a position to do at the, at the end of the episode for, for whatever reason. But um, I do think he's a little flip in terms of, you know, he shows up at court to hear what, everything that happened to her and I, I, i'll the thing about the court thing too i i put that in, i put in, i put myself in my shoes there too and if granted if me and my wife were in that same position and my wife told me not to come to the courtroom i would do the same thing and i would still show up because i would be so pissed and i would want to know what happened and if mm-hmm. she wasn't telling me so but i understand why she gets mad about it or why she should get mad but i would probably do the same thing that would just be my human nature i think that makes sense yeah I mean and it almost doesn't seem like she was mad he showed up I think what I was really more kind of thrown about was he thinks now that he knows what happened that they can just move on you know I think it it was what he needed but I still think he just doesn't understand I mean and she did deliver it very soundly right she wasn't over emotional And so he probably thinks, oh, okay, we can just move on now, right? And she's yeah, just like, you think? I don't think yeah, so. If he, if he, def- if he thinks, if he, compl- especially after this episode, if like if the next episode and he he wants to go back to the way things are normal, that is that is not cool at all. I 100% agree with because that's anybody that has any experience with trauma or deal or living with somebody that's gone through trauma or any of that stuff knows that you don't just get over it when you talk about it for the first time. That's not how trauma works at least right. in every experience I've ever had. So if he does that, I am, I mean, it'll, I, I, I'm very interested to see what his reaction is after, after we, when we see him after, mm-hmm. Han, after he knows the truth about what happened with Hannah at the end, the last yeah. time that they saw her. Yeah, no, that, that will be interesting. And something else I find interesting is that after he kind of says that to her, like, we can just move on now, right? She does the aggressive sex move where it's like, she's going to try and rape him again. And he's yeah. like, no, no, you know, and it's, it's kind of like, in, in some ways, it's she's just broken. In other ways, it's like she's trying to punish him for what he did and maybe make him try and see like that it's, they yeah. can't just move on normally. Um, but, you know, also she and Nick had a very different sexual dynamic <laughs> in Gilead. I mean, it was very passionate. Those guys were hot and steamy left and right um, uh-huh. whenever they did scenes. But also she was more aggressive with him. And, and sometimes it was just like they were screwing each other the way they wanted to screw Gilead. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> um, you know, a little probably more more rougher. I don't know. But um, <laughs> uh, I think she bit him once. But, yeah, know. I think you're right. And I think that's a, it's such a different comparing those two relationships. When, it, when you had that written on there, I, I thought about the comparing of those relationships and they're so very different because really, I mean, the, at the beginning, I always got the feeling that June and, and um, Nick got together more because of, they just, they needed somebody else. They needed a release. They needed, and it, it morphed into love, I think. Yeah. Whereas Luke and her were, the way they started was completely different than that. So it was very, I don't know, it's its interesting comparing the two relationships a lot, I think. Oh, yeah, it really is when you think about it. Like Nick and June's relationship was always very taboo. 
Well, mm-hmm. so, so were Nick and June's really yeah. in a way, but, yep. um, but there was something a little more innocent, I think about Nick and June, because even in the very early episodes, we think Luke is dead. There's a little bit of a flirt happening, right? Um, yeah. Between yeah. those two. Yeah. There's some, like some courting and that kind of stuff for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there are these like the hidden hand touches and things yeah. like that. Um, they're always very, um, you know. Kind of the other thought I had about the, before we get away from it too far, the thing where she tells Luke about what happened. I also am wondering, I think it's a possibility too, that this is her, her version with Luke of the same thing she did kind of with Emily, where she's trying to recruit, basically recruit her mm-hmm. army or whatever she's, I wonder if this is what she thinks can trigger Luke to 100% be like one of her, let's go tear down the system kind of what I don't, her army isn't the right word, but I think you understand what I'm saying. Yes. No, I definitely do. And um, I mean, I almost feel like I have notes on here on Fred and Serena Joy, but I think they're like, I think it's two sentences. They're awful. They're still awful. Serena's going to milk this like small group of supporters the, the way she can. And I mean, I think they're going to destroy each other by the time this is yeah. all over. Um, yeah, but um, but I do um, oh, I do want to get into the army stuff, but I guess we should probably talk about Aunt Lydia and Janine next because I, I think the June and Emily and I, I think there's a lot there, and I love your kind of idea that this is June's way of getting him mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. her side as well. Um, so yeah, we'll definitely circle back to that for sure. Um, but I mean, Aunt Lydia, we both have complex feelings about this character. Um, I mean, she's horrible, but you do have, I do have a level of compassion for her. Like, I, yeah. there's just always been something like when she found out June was pregnant and she's ringing those bells, she was like punishing her one minute, like crying, I don't know, tears of joy the next. And um, it's just... Um, yeah she's she's so complex i keep thinking back i still keep thinking back to the scene where she's ringing the bells after the pregnancy and like it seemed like those were tears of joy to me i might be wrong but that's lydia is my most favorite is definitely not the right word but definitely the character that i'm the most intrigued by all the time yes yeah she's and even more intriguing like I honestly did feel sorry for her when those ants were talking about her you know it's Mm -hmm. like you kind of think oh poor aunt Lydia and then she turns around and gets cattle prod happy um there was a line too that uh when she goes to visit Lawrence and what the heck did Lawrence he said something like well not everybody enjoys violence or not everybody enjoys hurting people and like the look on her face and she's like that's not at all what that's like she was like very offended and was like, no, I don't. That's part of what makes me believe that she's she's literally was she bought, drank the Kool Aid that Gilead said this is the way that to save people and you have to keep them in line with violence and that it, it just makes me think that she she thinks her training is the right thing and that's why she's doing it. She's not. I mean, mm-hmm. that might not be why she's doing it deep down, but I I really that's why I feel so bad for her. Is I think she thinks what she's doing is the right thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you know, I think, and I think ultimately what she thinks she's doing is protecting these women somehow, which is, there's so much irony in that, but 
you know, she doesn't seem terribly upset that June escaped Gilead. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was interesting. She, she was more worried about the fact she might lose her, get terminated, whether that means lose her job or go to the, or get lynched. Um, yeah. It's kind of hard to tell. Or, or go to the colonies or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But um, she, she doesn't seem upset about June. She seems very hurt when... Lawrence says, you know, well, people like June and I'm sorry, they don't mm-hmm. like you. They don't like me either. But, she, you know, again, just like Lydia was so hurt in this scene. It was just like punch after punch after punch. And um, in, in just a very, I mean, Bradley Whitford as, as Joseph Lawrence, he's just always been a very eloquent actor. And yep. even when he's saying it, there's not really a lot of blame or, you um, you know, harshness. Yeah. It's just very matter of fact. Like, you know, people don't like you. They don't like me either. It's just yeah. I'll, I'll say it. a little bit more about that when we get to Lawrence, because I've got some thoughts kind of along mm-hmm. that same line. But yeah, that I I love that. And you know, I don't. She doesn't get mentioned a whole lot, but Anne Bout is so freaking oh. fantastic in this show. I still can't. Every time, every time she's on screen, I am just glued to the screen, and she is so she, amazing in this she's show. So amazing, <laughs> and I think when he shows her that file with Janine in it, it's like mm-hmm. she's never looked more broken, fragile, defeated, deflated, tearful, sorrowful. Like that was the knife in the heart scene that they'd recaptured Janine. Um, yep. And I think she wasn't upset about June. I think she wouldn't have been upset about Janine getting out either. You know, I think, uh, I don't know. It's just there. I mean, I, 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 I kind of wonder with them is that because every once in a while when something bad has happened to one of the handmaids, you'll see like her uh, Lydia open up a little bit and be like, I'm sorry, like be like almost nurturing to him. And it, it doesn't happen often, but every once in a while it's happened. And I, I wonder if part of she feels with those two that they maybe they've been through enough and they don't need to suffer anymore or something. I don't quite, I can't quite wrap my head around it. I'm fine with that. Cause I, lo- I love trying to figure this character out because she's people in real life are complex and I love that she's complex as well. So. Yeah. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about Lydia and Janine and then we can circle back to Lawrence um, yeah. because um, he's, he's definitely a very sly, sly one this mm-hmm. season. Um, I was <laughs> so thrilled to see Janine was alive. I was not thrilled to see that she's in the torture prison. And speaking of changes, like Janine, from the minute they took her eye out, just seemed so fragile and broken and mentally disturbed. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I think Moyer calls her batshit crazy Janine and that name kind of sticks (laughs) throughout, throughout most of this series. And I think when they do finally get to Chicago, whether you feel like June manipulated her to, to come along in the end or not, the very end, I do feel like Janine had got to a place where she felt capable of making her own decisions again, like she did when she, she went to go get the abortion. And I feel like in this torture prison where they are going, their goal is to drive people crazy and drive them to break them. I feel like she's at her most sane that we've ever seen her um, yep. in, in the world of Gilead. And, um, you know, she, 
I just love the way Lydia is trying to spin this. Oh, they saved you from starvation, Janine. And it's like, oh yeah, because Gilead's going to be so much better just because she gets fed, right? Not all the other stuff. But yeah. um, what really intrigues me there is when, and I wonder if part of what you had said before about, and one of the one of the last couple episodes, I don't remember if it was with Tim or who it was with, where you wondered if maybe uh, they'll find her and like turn her into an operative for for uh wasn't that you that said that for mm. turn her into an operative or not an operative but have lydia train her to turn her go and get june. june or something along those lines a yeah. spy game kind of thing or something i i and with lawrence saying something like the violence isn't working figure it out or she's your project or whatever lawrence said something along those lines mm-hmm. I'm, I'm wondering what exactly she's going to do with with Janine it's I'm, I'm well, very it's one of the biggest questions I have coming out of this episode well and she even says that she's like whatever are we going to do with you and Janine just looks yeah. dead inside and this is the second handmaid Lydia's had tell her in this torture prison at least that we know of there might have been others that you know I would rather die than go back into service I'm ready to die please take yep. you know kill me now I know what happens here I know it will keep happening until I die. Just don't make me a handmaid again, please. Look what she's done to you. She corrupts. She destroys everyone. You poor thing. You've spent your entire life losing the people you love. here so it it is going to be interesting i i kind of feel like in some ways janine can't be turned at this point but what lydia ends up doing with jean i think will be interesting um i really hope she doesn't try to put her back into service again i i I hope that she i have some ideas just based on uh having read the book of like, oh, she could do that with Janine and that would be very interesting and that would set this whole thing in motion. But, um, hmm. but it's- <laughs> That's uh, a nice tease. <laughs> yeah, you know, I like to just throw the teases out there. Um, uh, I'm gonna but, have to get the dang audiobooks and listen to yeah. them while I'm working this summer. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. But um, I mean, I just think Aunt Lydia is a mess over Janine. Like Janine is her girl. And you could, even if, if Janine did turn on her in a second, she loves this girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Janine loves Aunt Lydia in a way. They've had a very, again, it's, it's just like the relationship Lydia and June have had. I mean, Lydia's beat Janine, but then she also got her the nice eye patch and, you know, yeah. it's just, um, um, it's just pretty grueling. Mm-hmm. Pretty grueling, but um, let's let's talk Joseph Lawrence. Oh, before we get out of that, oh, there was yeah. one other thing I was gonna ask you about the uh, 
they mentioned the wreck of the Hesperus. That's what she said she looked like. Do you know anything about that? I do not. And I did not look it up. Do you know anything about it? I did look it up and I, st I still have the Wikipedia page open, but, oh, awesome. but it was, I don't know if it'll actually be something, but it could. It says it's a story that represents the tragic consequences of a skipper's pride. On an ill-fated voyage, he brings his daughter aboard a ship for company. The skipper ignores advice of his experienced men who fears that a hurricane is approaching. When the storm arrives, the skipper ties his daughter to the mast to prevent her from being swept overboard. She calls out as the father dies and the ship crashes and she dies as well. Oh, that's interesting. Which I don't know if that, I mean, there's definitely kids and parents and I don't know, maybe it's, it might just be a red herring or a reference, but normally they don't, shows like this don't put references in unless there's something to it. Well, I'm also thinking of this as Lydia as the, the parent in the situation and Janine as a child. Or, or I mean, June has had a lot of pride and likes to ignore what her, her, her confidants say. Yeah, that's true. I mean, she, she basically told, has told Moira over and over or Luke or, and all of her friends in Gilead and most of them have ended up dead in Gilead. So, I mean, I don't, mm. I don't know. It's probably nothing, but I thought it was worth looking up. Yeah, no, that is very interesting. Mm. Very interesting. Um, you know, I think that's also interesting because do you recall when Lawrence was reading the story to the kids as they were waiting to take the trip? That's to one of my kids? favorite scenes of the entire series. Yes, it, I love that scene. It was also a story about a ship voyage. Oh, I don't remember that part. I was just concentrating on everything else. I wasn't listening as much to the actual story. Huh. I, I believe there was a there was a ship um, and they were yeah. at sea in that story, which June has been at sea at this point, which is an you know uh -huh. a more obvious point. But um, oh yeah, and of course they have to go across the sea to get back in Earth. Yeah, but oh man, huh. it's interesting. That is kind of interesting the way they throw in these little things for us to to yeah. think about. Um, uh -huh. Speaking of Commander Lawrence. I would love to hear what you have to say. Because one of my questions is, what is his end game? This, this, what is his end game now? It's, it's hard to tell. And this was another thing Tim was like, I can't stand Lawrence this season. And <laughs> he is very sly and very slimy. And he really kind of turned the tables on Nick, which I was kind of both mm. pissed about, but not surprised terribly. And, you know, he's, he's a survivor and he is surviving in whatever kind of wily way he knows how, but um, what do you think about Lawrence? Okay, well, I, I, when I saw this question last night, when you put this on there, I thought about this one for a long time because I've, I love the character of Lawrence. I love that I can't figure him out, kind of like with Lydia. And that, what I wrote down is, this is kind of how I see him. I don't, I don't exactly know what his end game is, but I don't know, know if he actually has one. He wants power but he loves playing political games to him. It's almost like a science experiment. All he sees are the numbers. I mean, we've had that happen many times where he's just talking about the numbers. Like he even says, we didn't take into account the, the motherly factor or whatever the, the line was that he said. I think mm -hmm. June was the first time in a long time that, that, that uh, made him see something other than the numbers. I think it might be as simple as he just wants power and the ability to keep playing games. He plays whichever way the wind blows in order to gain his personal advantage. He's Gilead's version of Littlefinger. 
And actually, he even said the words Littlefinger in this episode. He says she had his little she has her little finger or like what happens with God? And he's like, well, he'll she'll put his little or she'll wrap him around her little finger just the same way she does everybody else. Yes, that's so interesting. Oh, my! when you said little finger, I'm like, oh, I know exactly when he said that, too. Um, yeah, that's it is. I mean, he does seem to like to be the puppet master. He just wants the control mm-hmm. and the power, I think. I think he does have very idealistic views, but at the same time, and I think I said this before, part of me feels like he came up with this whole idea of Gilead is kind of like a joke when they're sitting around drinking one night. I'm totally, yep. You've said that a few times. I'm totally in agreement. I am hundred percent. That's what happened. (laughs) And he's like, Oh, look at my little puppets. Let's play with these guys. But yeah, I, I do think he's, it's definitely more about having the power and the experiment than yep. about anything else, really. I think he likes to spar. He likes to think he's right. I think June was good for the, him because I think she really challenged him in a way that none of these other men around him, these other... Yeah, well, she, I, she, she opened his eyes to something that I don't think he even knew was there. Yeah. I think he was... Just, it's part of like what I say. I think he just, he does the numbers. Like, I don't... Um, are you, uh, do you know baseball at all? This is going to sound way out there, but um, did you ever see the movie Moneyball with Brad yeah. Pitt? Yeah, I did. Okay, to me, he is like, and for anybody that doesn't know much about baseball, there was a big movement 15 years ago or so where instead of just getting guys for home runs, guys would analyze these numbers and they called it Moneyball because they could find cheap players that could just get on base. And that was the whole thing is that it basically was just analytics and money or not anal- money analytics and playing the numbers and completely reading the numbers, not taking into consideration any X factors or anything that's like intangibles, not taking any of that into effect. And to me, Lawrence is playing money ball where he mm. is basically looking purely at numbers and trying to manipulate the numbers that way too. And that was part of like, that was the first thing I thought a couple episodes ago when it was, when he said that something to June about the, the um didn't take into or i don't remember if he said to june or who he said it to but didn't take into account the the other factors is like he's purely based on numbers and he knows how to use numbers to manipulate what he needs and wants because there's tons of people like that out in the world i just i have that same kind of he's playing money ball with gilead and like i think you said he they figured it out in some cigar thing and then he's like huh you know what i wonder if i can make that work and kind of as a joke he started it and realized you know what the numbers work we can actually make this work let's try it well, and it's so interesting you say that because Lawrence is all about that data, the numbers data. But mm-hmm. remember the episode where he's got the hundreds of women from Chicago, but there are only five places for Martha's? Yep. You know, yep. he was kind of like looking at things. Do you think an accountant could make a good Martha? And, That's... you know, he, he had a very surface level way of like, he was trying to decide and he couldn't really like, it's, they were just like any five women would probably really do yep. for him. But um, that's when June went in and she looked at all the files and she's like, I've got an IT person, a reporter, mm-hmm. a lawyer, a criminal. And there was one more, you know, very strategic picks she made yep. that were, would, were people that would join the Martha network in a heartbeat. So um, it it is another very interesting difference between the two of them, maybe between men and women sometimes too. I mean, I love data and numbers and I think that stuff's fascinating, but you know, um, 
but you have you can't really discount people either <laughs> yeah that and that's that's always i mean and that's during my off season the off season of farming i work in a tax or a accounting office preparing taxes so i've i've seen that side and it's easy to get locked into the numbers and not thinking about the not extraneous things isn't the right word but the outside factors because there's always outside factors to everything and it's i think that's one thing i picked up watching this in such a short period of time is that you don't, you don't I, and it's, it's not like I'm waiting two episodes to see something with Lawrence I'm, or two weeks or three weeks to see something. I'm seeing Lawrence every other night. Mm. So I kind of, I kind of was, I, I picked up that trend, not trend is the right word either, but I picked up the kind of that pattern. So I think that's part of what is, as, like, as far as his end game, I honestly don't know if he has one. I think he just wants to, the way that he's switched back and forth and, and he's like, well, now we got to, we have to loosen things up and we have to fix Gilead. I think I don't think he really cares about Gilead. I think he just wants to make sure he stays in power and he's noticing the winds of change are starting to blow and he wants to be on the right side of it. Yeah. Yeah. And he still gets to play puppet master. You know, it even, yeah. even reminds me of that scene where June is goes in and is pouring coffee for them and he plays with her like a puppet, like a toy, like, oh, let's make her fetch the yeah. book that she's not supposed to read the spine of because it's yeah, that's such, a, that's such a <laughs> such a great scene too, because she pretends like she can't read it and waits for him to point out which book it is. Man, that's a, yeah, there's yeah. some, some great scenes in that. <laughs> well, and, you know, at one point, Fred even mentions that Lawrence doesn't like to be bored. And so some of this is, yeah, Puppet Master. Oh, well, mm -hmm. right now this game is boring me. Let's mix it up and let me throw this into the mix. Like, I really yep. think he, he he's not terribly strategic. I think he's strategic when it comes to getting the position he wants, but when it comes to, you know, kind of, potentially ruling well, the country that's why i think he brought june in in the first place is because he was bored and he's like oh well this just might spice things up or bring in some <laughs> bring in something i'm not expecting yeah yeah um yeah he's so interesting um he's a very interesting character um and and is very much an interesting counter to aunt lydia i was excited to see that those two were going to be kind of teaming up a little uh because <laughs> yeah. it's a, an unlikely pairing um uh-huh um which is something i used to love about game of thrones that um rr yeah. martin used to throw characters together that were huge mismatches and it's like let's see what happens <laughs> you know yeah game um, of thrones lost the same way where they would people that hadn't been next to each other at all for years, all of a sudden come together. I, I love that thing too. Yeah. That using that storytelling device. Yeah. It's very interesting. So this episode is called testimony. And while June gave her testimony, I think there's something about this therapy circle that Moira runs for ex handmaids that have escaped, which I was kind of calling, it's, it just reminded me of the Aunt Lydia circle of shame from back at the Red Center. And yep. I'm sure most group therapies, people are in a circle, perhaps. I don't know. I've never been to a group therapy session, but I was just like, oh, this just feels wrong somehow, just even the whole setup of it. But I was very excited that we're, they took some time to shift the focus back onto Emily for a while because it, it, it's been a while. Um, yep. And you know, just, it's interesting because I feel like Emily, as we first meet her, was a completely different person than she is now, the, the, at least what we've seen. And, and that she's really the one that got June involved in Mayday. She was kind of activist from day one. She pulls June into it, trying to, you know, get her to 
mm-hmm. tell her what you know Fred's up to. Um, it kind of didn't last long, but you know, I think when she was still in Gilead after her mutilation, you know, she's not necessarily a wilting flower. And, you know, she, she ran over that guardian with the car. She got in the car, um, ran over that guardian. And, and June was like, they didn't get everything that was inside her. You know, they, her, her fire and her spirit is still there. And And she poisoned the, she poisoned that wife in the the colonies as well. Yes, she did. And, um, and I feel like there was someone, oh, and she stabbed Aunt Lydia in the back. We can't forget about that. Oh, I forget that. Yes, of course. (laughs) That was like the best moment. I couldn't believe that happened, but I was shocked at that moment. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, yes, June is working to manipulate Emily but it's because she knows who Emily is deep down. She has seen, she doesn't know about the wife in the colonies, but she does know about Aunt Lydia. She saw her smush the head of that guardian like it was a watermelon with the car. Well, and like when I say say she's a master manipulator, that doesn't necessarily mean she's not manipulating somebody into who they actually are, because that still can. Yes, yeah. I'm definitely on that same page, page with you on that one for sure, is that, She's even if she is manipulating him, that doesn't mean that she's changing these people. It just means that she might be bringing out their true selves or who they who they actually are. Yeah, kind of like lifting the the fog. And it you know it's interesting this therapy group because it is like Moira is trying to create this safe place where they can feel safe and they can. How was the way they put it? Um, they can recover. It wasn't like, why can't this be about healing? They can heal. And, you know, at one point June says, why does it have to just be about healing? Why can't our anger, you know, why can't it be more? And, And I think this plot they put in place with this, with this aunt, um, Aunt Irene, who is under the name of Iris Baker, who escaped from Gilead, you know, the whole story that she was actually the one that turned in Emily and her, her lover that was the Martha, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, yeah, it's worse than any beating (laughs) on many levels. And yeah, and June, June's poking at it. June knows this is something. And June's, mode of therapy is working for June at least she thinks it is so I think she yeah. goes, I can do this for Emily too <laughs> and you know that's part of I think that's part of why I I, I don't see June as because this scene I thought a lot about too part of why I don't necessarily agree with all of June's tactics because I the one thing about I loved when one of the first episodes of this season where you said something about how this show is about trauma because it 100 mm-hmm. is I think that's one of the craziest takeaways of this but one of the things that I always get I get frustrated with people that sometimes in my real life is everybody and a lot of people I just don't think either don't realize this or don't believe it but everybody deals with trauma differently and Mm -hmm. like June is of that and actually Moira might be at a certain extent too where they both think Moira thinks the only way to get over trauma is to do this healing stuff and June I think thinks the only way to get over it is to seek vengeance and yeah. I think both can be true, but so many people have, and I, I'm more of the, the healing mentality than the, that's kind of what I've done. But 
I've been criticized before where people say, well, you didn't want to do this. And I was like, well, that's not how I want to, that's not how I can process my trauma. And I, I don't know, I'm kind of jumbling my thoughts there, but I don't know if that makes sense to you at all. But I think that's a, it's an interesting thing that they're both very different in the way they want to handle trauma because there is different ways to handle it. There's no, there's no one way because everybody's so different. I find it, find it fascinating. Sorry, that's not really a very coherent thought, but. No, but I think you touch on something really interesting because, you know, thinking about the times I've really been hurt by someone, um, most of the time it's like, well, karma's a bitch and it'll come to get them eventually um, is more the, the road I take, which, you know, maybe not in mm-hmm. the same words, kind of seems like the road you take as well. And yep. I'm not that's, saying that's that pretty I, close yeah. to that. Yeah. And I'm not saying I forgive those person that, you yeah. know, those people by any means. And I, I, Emily's like, there's nothing you can do to make this better. And I think that's a very valid response. Like, no, I'm not going to forgive you. There's nothing you can do to make it better. And mm-hmm. what she's not saying is, except maybe die which yeah. might be running through her head, but in this group at this point, she's not saying that. Um, you know, I think she's trying to take Moira's road, right? That um, yeah. they're out of Gilead. They both killed people when they were in Gilead, but they did what they had to do. And, you know, he, she, she doesn't have to do anything to this woman. It's clear this woman's guilt over what she did is, is probably pain enough. That's why like some people are like, I'm pro death penalty. And I'm like, why don't you just let the person sit in jail for the rest of their lives and rot? Like, I think that's far worse punishment. Like why put them out of their misery? You know, Um, I let them off the hook. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let them, let them live with what they've done for the rest of their lives in a, in a small cell. Well, and it's um, like, it's the, it's like, I know with me personally, like, if I was in that position, like with, with June and when she wants to kill these people, that's not going to make me feel any better. If I go and kill somebody after they've wronged me, it's going to make me feel worse because I killed somebody, but that's just me. I don't know. I can't be in her mind. So maybe it will make her feel better. I don't know. But that's, to me, that's the kind of thing I'm like, Oh, that's a little, not, not, but well, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's also a very extreme situation. So I can't, yeah, it's, I don't I mean, know, it's very gray area stuff. It's, it, it is. And when we kind of think back to all the people that, that June has killed either intentionally or not intentionally, you know, the first one is, is really the Martha to Hannah, um, mm-hmm. where she was trying to see her and, you know, got found out and, but, you know, commander, um, Winslow, oh, yeah. you know, that yeah. was definitely Chris self-defense. Maloney, yeah. yeah, definitely mm-hmm. self-defense. Um, I almost think that Eleanor was in some ways a mercy killing. Um, yeah, uh, you know, she, 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 she just let her die. She, she could have saved her, but she didn't. And, um, you know, but she did take out those six commanders. And I think, you, you know, there was a point where it, tur- it turned where it's not just about June anymore. And, and maybe some of this is making her feel better. Um, mm-hmm. But I think she's also trying to just protect more kind of women from, from damage. And, you know, even that, um, oh gosh, what was it? Even when they were on the farm with Mrs. Keyes, there was something kind of eerie, um, that I did not catch until I watched it back with the subtitles was that, um, when June was in that haze and Mrs. Keyes is, is saying, I dreamed about you. She also said, I dreamed we killed people together, this young yep. girl. And so uh-huh. she, 
you know, I, I kind of think, well, did June really manipulate her into that? Or did she just give her the opportunity to, you Yeah, know? she was, I think I got from, I mean, she was obviously bloodthirsty from day one. That's kind of what my feelings were on that. Yeah. The, I, I do recommend, the, I, I almost always watch with the subtitles on because there are so many things that are like whispered in the background mm. where you don't, you can't hear them audibly clearly, but they'll have them subtitled. It's, I, I actually do that on almost every episode, especially like when you hear commanders talking in the other room or something. A lot of times you can catch little lines of what they say where you can't hear them on your speaker, but you can. So that just that's a little side side note, but yes. Yeah. I, I, um, yeah, that farm, that farm was something else. Yeah, not like your farm. <laughs> not, not even a little bit. But, you know, these, these therapy circles, I guess you call them, and, and Emily, you know, I was kind of, Moira was like really trying to work on Emily too. Like, I think Emily's in a, in a tough position because I think June probably speaks closer to Emily's maybe true nature um mm-hmm. in some ways and I think Moira speaks to this kind of softer side of things like you're out of Gilead they can't hurt you anymore but honestly someone who did hurt her is out of you know I think that was the whole thing June like went on the mama bear right away and is like who are you you know yeah. she's just like what are you doing to my friend and and Moira's like you know you'll, you'll probably get more out of it if you talk to her more and I'm kind of like Moira you know she's killed people, but you don't really know. Like, yeah, I, I just think Moira was, was kind of almost misreading Emily with her her soft approach, you know. And maybe that's what's worked for Moira. I don't know. But when Emily is driving out to that aunt's house and sees her hanging from the tree and flips the Yui and is driving away, I love this actress's expressions because she can be very hard to read particularly since she was mutilated on the show but there is it's the very last second the camera is on her as she's driving away there is this very slight purse to her lips that I think if you were Mm -hmm. seeing her from straight on it would be a slight smirk it would be that Sansa Stark smirk walking away after feeding Ramsay to the dogs um And (laughs) I was just like, oh, it's just, it's so subtle. And, you know, then when June really says, well, I want to, you know, they're all talking about the aunt that hung herself and they're like, oh yeah, it's so sad. And I'm kind of like, "Mm." and, and June's like, hmm, I want to know how Emily feels. I feel amazing. I'm glad she's dead. And I hope I had something to do with it. Boom. Mic drop. Emily spills all the beans. And then everyone else is like, stuff just starts flooding out. If my Aunt Lisa was here, my fucking commander. If my commander were here, I'd cut his dick off. Make him eat it. There you go. The wife. I'd use a broom handle. Okay, everyone. Um, Moira's horrified. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It was. It's. Yeah, it's just. And I guess I, I'd like to know how the other handmaids. I'd like to know how long they were in 
how long they were in Gilead and how long, like, because like Moira's been out of into Canada for quite a while now, hasn't she? Yeah, I think she's been out probably a good three years or so. Like, I think. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, because I suppose. Well, how old is uh, how old is Nicole now? She's a couple of years old in the show now, isn't she? Yeah, she's she's like I, well, I'd say like a year and a half, and um, okay, she seems big. Uh, she doesn't seem like two yet, though. Um, but you know, I think Moira escaped sometime shortly after June was with Fred and Serena, and I think they that was June second posting. So it she's probably uh, been out. Because I'm just trying to think, yeah. because like really Emily and June really haven't been out for that long, right? June yeah. barely, barely out at all. So I'm I'm wondering the longer you stay in Canada and get back to some sense of normalcy if the, if I don't know yeah. if that's probably not really that important but I'm, it's just or if if those other handmaids have been there for a long time too and they still have this much rage I yeah don't, or, or yeah I don't know if rage is the right word but you know what I'm saying yeah no I think Emily's been out for about a year Moira's probably been out for about three but we have to remember too that Moira was actually never a handmaid she was well, sent yeah, sent to be a right. prostitute at Jezebel's, which I can't imagine is, you know, it's still kind of rape all the time, for sure. You don't really want to be there. But in some ways, you know, like Moira, when she was there, she's like, it's really not that bad. You know, the food is good and they don't bother you too much. And, you know, um, better than the colonies and she had she'd really adapted to it in a way that I don't know that any of the handmaids ever adapted to the situation they were in um Uh, yeah I think you might be right you know and and some of the abuse too not that those girls at Jezebel's aren't necessarily abused but they do in some ways have a different level of you know, the first to have more, more sex they don't want to have, but they also have a, a much different level of freedom. Like, you know, Fred said, oh, conversations, what you want. We've got some really well-educated women here, you know, like. Yeah. And you're not, you're person. not wearing a uniform and you don't have a livestock tag in your ear. And yeah. you don't have, I mean, you don't have the trauma of having to get pregnant and losing your baby. Yeah. yeah it's, I don't think, I, I hate, I hate ranking like the Olympics of pain is what I call right. it. I hate when people play that game, but in this, in this respect, there's no comparison really. Yeah. It's, it's very different. Um, at least from what we've seen. And, and, and I just kind of think back to the Moira's like, it's not that bad. And I don't think that's something that June or Alma would ever say. I know that, you know, at one point Janine says, Oh, is this commander? It's not, it's, it's not as bad. It's just a ceremony, no blowjobs, you know? Um, and, but at the same time, Janine says, I would rather die than go back to being a handmaid. Yeah. I think she's past that. I think with Janine too, like the, like that scene we saw was definitely like the most, in my honest, I'm not sure if honest is the right word, but a lot of the time after that, after she lost her eye, I felt it was a lot of her and not really playing a character, but she like had her guard up to a level where she never, never showed her true self. And I don't know if that's her. So I'm, I don't know if it was her like losing her mind or if she actually was just, that was her guard up and she's finally let her guard down a little bit. 
So it's, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, Sorry, I'm jumping I, around a little bit again. No, but. I, I think it, I think it might also, she was, I think she was just living in a constant state of fear too. Yeah. Right. And trying well, I mean, to I'd have my up. guard up too. So it was. Yeah. Yeah. So a guard up in terms of, you know, she's so afraid that she's going to act a certain way just to, you know, yeah. I think she did lose her mind a little bit a couple times, but you know, I think June did too, when she had to be in the hospital yeah. with, with a Matthew. Um, I mean, who, that was who wouldn't dark. when you Oof. when you had to go through all that stuff? I mean, how could you stay sane? That's yeah, I, yeah, Oof. yeah. Well, and that's how June is now turned into this monster that is basically just like Serena. I mean, they they've kind of become the same person. Yeah. Um, well, because I mean, really, the it's kind of like what I I touched on it briefly earlier about how I think the. A part of a big part of the show too is how nature versus nurture or your environment and what it can do to you because really Serena I mean we saw what she was like beforehand so she still wasn't exactly the best person in the world but this environment she's got herself into like amplified her her what she is and basically became to define her and I, I have a bad feeling that that's kind of what happened to June that didn't define her but it kind of made her into more of a I don't, God, I just can't think of what the right word is, but it really changed or changed them as people into yeah. what they are now or in the, like the more willing to be violent or willing to, willing to do whatever it takes or willing to, I just, I don't know. I'm having a hard time, hard time coming up with exactly what I'm trying to say about that. But yeah, no, I, I think there's also something very interesting when it comes to June, like she's basically been, <clears throat> you know, turned into this monster that we see in Gilead so much between Lydia and Fred and Lawrence and Serena. But at the same time, some of these other characters that are so awful, June has been the factor that brings out their humanity the times we've seen it, right? I think, you know, kind of convincing oh. Serena that her daughter needs to be able to read, their daughter needs to be able to read and, you know, kind of getting yeah. under Lawrence's skin. I think even with Aunt Lydia from time to time and, you know, Fred's always been sweet on her. He's just a skeevy guy. And I mean, opinion, there was but... a few times even, there was a few times even with Fred where she did let him, got him to not be good, but at least like show a, ta a tiny bit of humanity not very yeah. often but yeah even with him a little bit so it's yeah yeah it's i'm i'm, I'm, I'm coming off too harsh on jude because I, I don't think she's a villain by any means but because you're definitely right that's just i don't she's a fascinating character i don't yeah. i don't know what the answer is yet i mean and we're not going to know until the show's over yeah but, yeah if she can recover from this like i well, like yeah. i kind of feel like well you know you know, and, and this is like what the trauma looks like, right? When you get out of a place like mm -hmm. this and, um, you know, we're seeing her version of it just because, you know, we saw it a little with Moira. I think we have kind of seen it with Emily for sure. But, you know, I think people need to kind of fight back and fight it in their own ways. And yeah, it's um, going to be different for, for everyone. And yeah, but it's, um, yeah, no, June's... Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, she is, she has turned into a master manipulator for sure. Um, and sometimes it's, you, you're really happy about it. And then sometimes you're just like, yeah, that's, you know, uh, she can be so cruel like sometimes say, too. 
And like I said, every character, literally, I think every character on this show deals in shades of gray at times. Some are more black than others and some are more white than others, but they definitely, definitely, yeah, it's, there's no, I don't think there's any true, like, besides the children, <laughs> like, truly people that are 100% on the side of the good people and the bad. I don't know. It's, it's a fascinating yeah. show. Yeah, no, it is really fascinating. So we've been talking for some time now. Is there anything oh, else about um, I know <laughs> about um, this episode or the show that you want to talk about or that you have ideas on? Um, um, happy to, happy well, to some of the one of the things I was gonna say, and now that now that I know that uh, Lydia is in the in the next book, it kind of changed my mind on this a little bit. But for a while, I had a thought that what what had happened with Aunt Irene was going to be kind of a, a foreshadowing of what would happen with Lydia and either a meeting with Lydia and June at some point where June basically does, exercises her demons the same way she did when she talked to, when she went to go see Serena, or if that's what Lydia is going to do when she finally real, finally comes to the realization that she's on the side of the wrong, the wrong side here. And she, maybe she kills herself as well. I don't know if that's actually, like I said, my, my thoughts have changed a little bit after what you after what I had heard about the, the her being in the sequel book. Mm-hmm. But I something about it, I mean, not that this show does a lot. I don't think well, you know, it does though, do it does mirrors of things a lot of times, I guess, because yeah. the the thing with Serena and June was basically a reversal of one of the conversations they had, had a few seasons yes. ago. So exact reversal. Um yeah. um that was a chilling scene both times. I guess Ly- Lydia is still one of my biggest question marks as to what what she's going to do and what she's going to, because there's so many, even back thinking back to that first episode of the season or the second, whichever one it was where she goes in front of that committee and what the heck, one of them. And before she said like the line of find June and bring her to me, she was getting ready to walk out. And I cannot remember what the commander said. The commander said something kind of smart ass, like what the heck was it? But it seemed like it that whatever the commander said actually oh, made Lydia mad. And yes, it did, what Lydia's um, response was did not jive with what he was saying. I wanted it was he, he he was derogatory. He either called them whores or sinners. It was something like yeah. e- evil sluts. I don't know. It was, you know, typical, yeah. your typical it was something like way that of addressing a handmaid, uh, you know. And it, uh, yeah, and it seemed like that that almost made Lydia mad. And when she yeah. turned around, I was expecting her to say, you don't know these women or something like that. But she says, no, find June and bring her to me. Part yeah. of me wonders if that's like she's doing this slow turn where she's either gonna it's either gonna end poorly or is she gonna try and help handmaids get out is she gonna try and or is she just gonna try and fix fix it like she thinks it needs to be with Lawrence on the inside I don't something I just can't I don't man the character is endlessly fascinating you need to read the book I'm like some of the stuff you're saying I'm like sitting here going <laughs> okay, well, then I'll I'll read I'll read the book. I won't ask any more questions then. Um, yeah. <laughs> about that. And yeah, well, I'm excited now. Now that you say that, I'm very excited to see what happens now. It's um, it's it's very interesting. I think it's so hard to imagine what a sequel to the book The Handmaid's Tale could be. Which I think you know, the first season of this show was pretty much the book, and they've kind of made everything else up from there. Okay, so, that, I thought I remember here. So is like the end of the book in the series, the end of the first book in the series, or did they kind of chop the end of the book off or something? It, it kind of, it, it really, um, I believe, because I did reread it after the show came out. Um, I do believe it leaves with June being 
taken away. So kind of uh. as we're seeing her being taken away at the end of the first season is how that mm -hmm. book, um, how the book ends. And they actually find, I think this book, they kind of put it interesting, like historical, like this book is an artifact and they found recordings actually that, okay. that was this story from Yes, they believe one, it was a handmaid. Um, they did, one, one of you guys were talking, maybe it was John, one of you, well, you were talking like the episode with the tapes was similar to kind of how the yeah. book was? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I think John did bring that up because that's the first time we saw our videotape and it kind of did feel like some type of homage to the first And book. you know, I apologize because you recorded that episode like two years ago, probably. So to me, it was like I heard it I, like yesterday. So. I do vaguely remember it though. <laughs> um, it's funny how much I actually remember. I don't remember like, I don't know. Oh yeah, you, you would, you'd IM me about something and you're like, I don't know if you remember this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh yeah, I was actually just thinking about that the other day. Yeah, that was the the hooks in the mouths and how you couldn't breathe. And like, I was, I thought with allergies, how in the hell could you even... I would die in the fall. I would die with my allergies. I couldn't breathe period. So I don't, yeah, that, well, that was what the first one was about. I remember that was, um, that was so relevant to me as I was taping the <laughs> podcast that season, because two summers ago, my allergies were horrible. And there were so many times I was taping this podcast and had to put it on mute so I could like blow by nose, <laughs> cough, whatever. And uh -huh. so when I saw those rings, I'm like, mother of God, this is like this yes. is my worst nightmare right now. Yep. Um, That's what yeah, I laughed out loud when I was listening to that because I'm like, yep, that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it was great recording with you today. I can't wait for you to read or listen to the Testaments, whichever you do. Um, yes, I will definitely. I'm going to try and that's, I'm a big audiobook guy, so I will probably get the audiobooks. And, and I, this is the time of year I work a lot outside. So after the season is over in the summertime, it will be a good time for me to listen while I'm working. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Well, again, thank you so much for joining me. And for all the listeners out there, thanks for joining us again this week. We'll, of course, be back next week. We've only got two more episodes this season. It's crazy. But in the meantime, do not let the bastards grind you down. Mm -hmm.